can't do this alone. No, I'm not insulting your capabilities. I'm being real with you because I don't want you to be held back by the glass ceiling created by ignoring the people side of your business. I've been in the trenches helping entrepreneurs navigate all those, oh shit, I'm the boss now moments. You know, the ones where you realize you're the one in charge, you're the adult in the room, but you're not in this alone. I hope the show convinces you of the dormant power of your team. Welcome to the podcast free of stuffy corporate jargon. After all, your business doesn't come with the bullshit red tape of a Fortune 500 company. Here, you'll be encouraged and motivated to test, try, fail, and fix fast. You'll laugh, you'll learn, and you'll feel seen and heard. Most importantly, you'll walk away with the tools you need to pour into your team and build a thriving culture that opens up the door to the scale your business deserves. Welcome back to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now. I'm your host, Jackie Koch, and today we're talking about salary increases and how to know how much you should give for your team members for raises and and really how to handle that whole process. Because as you know, and and why you're listening to the show is managing a team is no small feat Um, when it comes to fairly increasing salaries, making sure you're paying to, you know, appropriately for roles, it can often feel like a daunting task. And you want to make sure that your team feels fairly compensated for their efforts while also, you know, making sure that you're staying within your business's budget or your company's budget. So this episode should serve as a guide for how you can accomplish really the delicate balance between really managing all of these things and and hopefully provide you with some framework and and things to think about as it relates to establishing salary raises, establishing market rates, all of that stuff and all the things that really kind of go into that. And I, I think it's, they're not, you know, how much to decide to give somebody for a raise really should not be left independently to like one one decision. And what I mean by that is like, it should not be your team member saying, hey, I really need to get a raise. Can I get my raise bumped up to this amount? And you're like, yes or no. Like it should really be more of a strategy and tied to some other things. And so really what it should be tied for is performance reviews, right? And your ability to determine how well somebody's performing in their job, that should be a part of whether or not somebody gets a raise. It should also be how well your company is doing, right? Like how is your business making money? Are you growing? Can your business support providing and paying out some additional fixed cost? Because that's what a salary is, is a fixed cost. And then you should also set up a framework for how you are going to make sure that your team members are paid equitably for similar jobs. Um, And doing so can be done with some salary bans and some other things as well. So we're going to talk all about that on this episode and um, really dig into how to think about this. So the first step, or I guess the first thing that I want to call out is that you have to address the elephant in the room. And what I mean by that is oftentimes, well, first you need to set expectations around when employees can expect to have these conversations. 
And so you need to decide when you're going to do that. As a leader, that is up to you to decide and then communicate it to the team. let, Let your employees know when they can expect to have these conversations. And too often, actually almost always, leaders keep this kind of as a mystery. And it it always bewilders me because a lot of times it can be for so many different reasons. I think the majority is of the reasons why they do this is because they don't have a strategy in place for how to handle it. And they feel like they'll deal with it later, or like they don't want to have the uncomfortable conversation or they don't, you know, money is this taboo topic that you don't talk about. And I think sometimes that then ends up sneaking its way into employment stuff when really you should be the one sharing when you're going to have these conversations and setting up the the cadence for when that happens, because then it puts you in control of the conversation. It allows you to be proactive and it takes away a lot of the stress and the awkwardness that you and your team members feel around this. Like, I promise you, it is far worse. Like your team thinks about it. And then, you know, and a lot of times they're thinking about it a lot and that's distracting them from doing their job, right? Like they're like, okay, I need to ask them or I haven't had a raise in a while. I wonder when I'm going to get one. Should I bring it up? Oh no, maybe I'll wait. I know this happened. And it's just like all of these, the, these thoughts go into their head about why you are, are, or are not having the conversation. And it's really distracting. And it's also just awkward. So your team you know, is sitting here hemming and hawing, wondering what to do. And then they finally get the courage. Like, let's say this is the case, right? They're, they're wondering, they're like, okay, when should I do it? Okay. I'm going to do it today. And they get the courage, do it in their one-on-one with you. You're going to feel blindsided because you're not prepared. You're not prepared to have the conversation and then they're going to bring it up and you're going to be like, oh, and that's going to be really fucking awkward. And you're going to be like, you know what? I'm going to have to get back to you on that. And then all of a sudden you're going to have to quickly come up with a strategy and figure out a response to them when you could have just done it ahead of time, right? You could have done this stuff now and been the one driving the conversation and told them like, hey, we're going to review salary on this day or at this time of year or, or what have you, which we'll go into. The other thing that could happen is they don't ever get the courage to bring it up and they might just start going out and looking for a new job and they're not even going to give you a chance to give them a raise because they're too awkward to bring it up. And so you may lose a really great employee because you don't have this strategy in place. And so create a cadence and a a standard for how you're going to assess compensation and tell them when they start, when they join the company, make sure everybody knows when you can, when you're going to have those conversations and then make sure you revisit it at that time. If you say you're going to do it uh, on their anniversary, make sure you bring it up close to their one year anniversary, put it on your calendar. So you don't forget. Um, if you say you're going to do it at the beginning of the year, make sure you revisit it. Even if The answer is not what they're going to want to hear. Even if the answer is, you know what? The company is not in a position to be able to do, you know, give out big pay raises or, you know, your performance really doesn't dictate being able to give a raise. And here's why. Like, even if you're going to have to tell them 
something that you know is going to be maybe perceived negative, like you still got to revisit it. You can't just, you can't just let it go and you can't just hope they forget about it. They're not going to forget about it. So if you're a small team, which you probably are, if you're listening to the show, something simple that I think and an easy time to do it is really to do compensation around two different milestones. One, if somebody gets promoted into a new job. So if somebody gets promoted into a new job, and so what that means is like a big advancement in a job title that includes more or different job responsibilities, typically more, oftentimes is associated with an increase in pay. And oftentimes promotions get bigger increases in pay than say an an annual review does right? So if somebody gets promoted, you should give them a raise and you should not have them start doing the job. So a lot of times what'll happen, and this is fine, is like you're easy, you're training somebody up, right? So you're slowly giving them some more tasks, helping them till they get to the point where they're like fully operating in this newer, bigger role. Once they're fully, you can tell them like, once you're fully operating in this role, we're going to increase your pay to X, Y, Z. That is fine. But what you can't do and what you shouldn't do is give them the new role, give them all of the responsibility and say, hey, we'll, you know, do this job for six months and then we'll revisit pay. Like you don't want to do that. So um, I highly recommend if you're easing somebody into it, give them some of the responsibilities and say, hey, once you're fully doing all of these responsibilities, you'll get this pay increase. And it's usually with a title change and a a fairly significant increase in compensation. I can't tell you how much that is. I guess like it could be $10,000. It could be, you know, $5,000. Like you can decide what that is for your business, but it's usually a fairly larger number than um, what the next cadence is. And that's around um, what a lot of times is called a merit increase. And so that is giving a pay increase based on the the employee's performance in their current role, right? So they're not, maybe, maybe they're taking on a little bit more responsibility, but it's not like a major promotion. It's really, you know, they are performing really well, having a really positive impact on your team and your business. Then you'll give them, that's often called a merit increase. And that is due for like how well they're doing in their existing job. It's usually given annually and based on a set of, you know, milestones or performance criteria that you set. And I think it's really good to do this um, in correlation with their their anniversary date. Um, And why I think that's important is because that allows you to, while their performance indicates how much of a raise they get, It allows you to create performance reviews that are focused on development conversations. And we're going to talk about that in a second, but I do like taking the conversations and placing them in different moments versus every time you do a performance review with somebody, they're expecting to know if they're getting a pay increase, right? Um, And so if you say, hey, we do pay increases, you know, on the anniversary, on the anniversary of your hire date is when we're going to revisit your compensation, but we're going to have performance reviews every quarter to assess how you're doing throughout the year, 
right? That kind of decouples the performance and development conversation from the compensation conversation. What I've found is that if you do them both together, let's say you only do one performance review a year, and during that time, employees know if they're getting a raise or not. They are only listening and participating in this performance conversation to know how much their pay is changing. They're not doing it to become better in their job or actually development. I uh, and I shouldn't say they're not, but it's very it's human behavior to just wait to see, okay, how much raise am I going to get? And then they, that's what they hang on. That's what they remember. They really don't even remember the other stuff you talk about. So when you de- decouple them, it, it does make more meaningful development conversations. So that's why I say if you're a small team doing it based on anniversaries, I would say like if you get above 30 employees, that can be a little bit hard to manage. So maybe you end up doing it like the quarter of your hire date is, you know, when we will assess your pay, right? So anyone who was hired in Q1 of the year, um, the following year, you'll revisit it at the end of the quarter um, or something like that would be how I would probably do it so that if there's still a structure and it's not on the same cadence. I've seen some companies that say they review everyone in the company's salary X, Y time of the year. That's not the same as performance reviews. That also gets a little messy. So, But it definitely has worked. And I, I've done that with other companies as well. So you want to make sure you you set, you address the elephant in the room. You're the one who's telling them when they can expect to have these conversations and they know too, so that they know to bring it up at a certain time of year. So you're not blindsided, but you want to make sure that you're, you're actually talking about it and not just like shying away from it. And I can tell you that almost every single one of the places I've ever worked, (laughs) managers do that. And I think it's because it's awkward. So just make it not awkward and make a decision on when you're going to do it. So that's the first step. The second step is to create a performance review process. I know um, this is a huge part. I mean, this could, this is a whole, actually I've done entire podcast episodes about this, but you definitely want to set up a performance review process so that employee's performance is objective or you have clear reasons as to why you're giving a raise or why you're not. And it seems, and you're creating a fair and equitable process for it so that you're not just giving a raise to the squeaky wheel or, um, you know, you're being fair and equitable across your team. And so setting up a cadence for performance reviews, I recommend you do short performance reviews every quarter with your team. It literally can be as simple as a start, stop, and continue. Like what should you start doing? What should they stop doing? What should they continue doing? You set up performance metrics that they need to hit for the next quarter or deliverables. You evaluate how they did on the last ones, and then you kind of move on. Like it doesn't have to be a super heavy lift. You can make it really cumbersome, and there's a lot of HR people who are going to tell you to do that. I don't know. You want it to be effective. So why, you know, you could literally just do a start, stop, and continue. I have seen that work incredibly well for places that I've worked. And so by setting these up, you're going to set up a process for identifying who are consistently the high performers, who are those that consistently have room for improvement. And then you're also going to find the areas in which the whole team has done well, or the whole team needs development. And so those that your performance reviews 
you will then look back, right? So like, let's say somebody's anniversary is in June, you're deciding whether or not you're going to give them an increase. You're going to look back to the performance reviews since the last June to help inform whether or not they get a raise. So you'll use performance reviews to help determine if there's a raise, but you're not going to have the performance review conversation, the time in which you tell them they're getting a raise, you're going to have a separate meeting about it, right? Um, And so you want to make sure you have a process for managing performance. During this time, it's also a good kind of a review, doing a quarterly review where you can just document overall how the team is doing each quarter. So that at the end of the year, when you're doing financial planning, you can decide like how the team did or how departments did to help inform how much budget you're going to allocate to to a team for for a salary increase. Um, And that way you're evaluating not just individual performance if you're a bigger team, but you're also, you know, making some of the salary adjustments to how the team is doing and making sure you're, you're creating a a collaborative, you know, work environment where the team together creates more success than by themselves. Um, and that's something else to take into account when you're thinking about salary increases, you want to reward collaborative efforts and not just individual accomplishments. And so maybe a portion of, of the performance or the salary increases is, is based on how well the team is doing or, or the company's doing, obviously, which we'll talk about. So that's step two is creating a performance review process. Step three is you want to analyze your financial situation of your business. You want to analyze your budgets and you want to do market research. I recommend you do that once a year or semi-annually, twice a year. Um, You want to review how the company's doing. Look at revenue growth, profitability, market share, like all of those numbers to help you decide how much room there is for salary increases and you know, how they align with your company's overall goals for the year. Um, If you're, well, I'll talk about that in a second, because at the same time, you're also going to want to do some market data research. So you're going to want to look in the market and do some competitor, like an analysis to decide or see at least how your competitors are paying team members and then decide where, how you're going to pay. Right. So if you look at, um, I use a couple different benchmarks. I pay for a salary.com premium membership to get salary data, but there's that. And then there's also a company called PESA. You can literally just Google like how much, or salary of graphic designer PESA or something like that. And it'll come up and then you can filter it by location or the US or however you want to. You can kind of look at like somebody with this year of service is typically getting paid between this amount and this amount. On PESA, you're not really able to like refine the data by like industry or location where on if you pay for salary.com, you can. Now, I don't recommend you pay for salary.com unless you have like a team of like 35 or more. I pay for it because it's a service I provide my clients so I can use it. Um, but you can just look at, at things like PESA to determine, you know, how the, the market is paying and you'll be able to see where they're falling for the roles on your team and, and help you decide where you're going to fall in relation to that in order to attract top talent. 
So then you also want to look when you're looking at the the financials and and, and stuff is you want to make sure you're sit, setting financial goals for your team, review how the team's done towards them, all of that stuff. Um, and then, you know, of course, communicate it out. But it's most important that you decide, like, can I as a business afford to give a pay increase? And so obviously by giving a pay increase, you're increasing the total amount of money you're spending every single month on payroll. You're increasing a fixed cost. So if you decide and you look at your budgets and you're like, you know what? I can't increase salaries, but I can give a one-time bonus. Like there's other things you can do besides just increasing salary. And so by looking at your financials, you can decide, can the, can the company afford it now? Yes or no. And maybe you decide that you want to offer them a commission structure or some sort of revenue sharing to help them incentivize them to help you in more business or keep clients or become more profitable. There's a lot of ways you can get creative, but you definitely want to look at how the company is doing, what your forecast looks like for the upcoming six months to a year to help determine if you can do pay pay raises for the year. So I recommend that you do that annually so that you kind of have an idea, like, you know how many people are on your team, right? There's three people on the team and you're like, okay, I would love to give them a raise this year at some point. Can the business afford it? And do like a rough calc. And it could be like, you know what, if we bring on this amount of business, you know, in Q1 of this year, then I can probably increase people's pay by X amount. You can start to kind of think about that and run some numbers at the beginning of the year so that you know, and you're reserving that. So then by the time their anniversary date comes up, you know how you've done and you can share with them any adjustments you can make and why. So you want to analyze budgets and you want to do market research so that you know if you're paying within, you know, the market. And if you're not, then you may or may not attract the right talent and you might have to make some adjustments. So then the step four would be create, and we kind of already talked about a little bit, but create a systematic approach to how you're going to distribute salaries. So one of the things I do with my clients is if you have, again, more than like 20 people, um, you're going to want to start to create salary bands. Um, I would say even 10 or more people you really want to. If you have less than 10 people on your team, you probably don't really have to create salary bands. But once you start to get more than 10 people, you're going to want to start to think about that. And so that's essentially creating different job levels within your business and setting pay ranges for those job levels. So if you have less than 20 people, you probably can get away with bucketing all of the departments into the same job levels. So it essentially would look like, you know, level one would be Um, You can call it whatever you want. Oftentimes it's called associate or coordinator, right? And so that's a entry-level job, you know, very little experience, maybe one to two years. They, people in this role tend to really need a lot of direction um, and support. And you might have a coordinator on the marketing team. You might have coordinator levels on the finance team. You might have coordinator levels on the sales team. They might have different job titles, but the scope of their job and responsibilities all kind of maps back to that first level. And then you can set what's the the lowest salary that will pay for this and what's the highest and set the range. And then the next level could is often called like an associate. Um, this is 
somebody with some, you know, starting to get some experience, starting to do some work on their own, take ownership, typically like two to, you know, at least two years, three years of experience. They still need some direction, but they're starting to to really kind of own parts of the job. Um, Again, you might have associate levels in all of the different departments with different job titles, but the scope of their job matches back to that like associate level. The third level often is like a established professional. You can call it whatever you want to, you know, it's called a bunch of different things, places um, that, you know, depending on your business, but the person at this level is kind of mastered their function. They maybe are not leading their, leading a team yet, but they are really able to do their job with little to no direction. You really don't have to guide them or give them step-by-steps. They're like a seasoned professional in their job, right? Um, And that level, same thing. You know, that could be, you could have seasoned professionals in all of your different departments, different job titles, but kind of mapping back. Um, And then the fourth level is often like your first level of people management. Um, and so that is where you start to get folks who are leading others, right? They have direct reports. And then that last level would be leading people managers. Um, and so typically you probably only need three to five levels depending on how big your company is. And what you'll then do is you'll set a minimum and a maximum for the salary range based on the market. So what I often, what I just did for a client actually was, we went through and we mapped out, we did all of this from scratch, kind of leveling and everything. And so we mapped out the different jobs that fall within the different levels within their organization. So they had three different levels within their organization. We mapped out the different job titles that map to those levels. I went out and I did salary, uh, I pulled salary ranges for those different jobs. And I took the averages. What's the average low? What's the average high of all of those jobs that are within that level? And that's what created the band. Um, and we did the same for three levels. And so that's how we've determined bands. Typically, if you're a company, you know, you might need to have two different um, this might be getting way over your head for a podcast. If I'm not, I should do a YouTube video on this so you can actually see the sheet that I use for it. But hopefully I haven't lost you yet. If you have a lot of tech talent, so engineers, you know, developers, UX designers, all of that stuff, you might have a tech levels because those tend to be a little bit higher than say your typical corporate levels like marketing, sales, all of that stuff. You might decide you want to do that. You might not. It's up to you. And a couple other things I'll say about salary bands are typically the the lower the role like the lower level the role the smaller the tighter the salary band is and then the more experienced or higher level the role is the high the wider the band gets so and that's because like the scope of the job and the scope of who you hire could be so different like if you're looking for a director of supply chain somebody who has five years of experience versus somebody who has 20 years of experience might have, you know, different compensation. I don't even want to say requirements, but different skill levels, which demand a different level of compensation. So your salary band for a supply chain director might be pretty wide compared to a supply chain analyst, right? You're probably only hiring somebody with, you know, three to to seven years of work experience. And so those ranges then don't really differ 
as much as somebody with five to 20 years of experience in a director level role. So that's how you set up the salary bands. Um, I really feel like I've lost you. I wish I could see your faces as you're listening to this, but I can't. So hopefully I haven't totally bored you. And then I guess some notes about, I guess I will share this. I feel like I'm getting too in the weeds about salary bands, but I'm just going to do it. Like if you're coming, how to determine where people should fall within a band? Like the bottom of the band typically is somebody just stepping, like they're into newly into a new role right? They're still fairly new to the role. They're still learning some of the basic fundamentals, and there's a lot of room to grow within the role. Middle of the band, which is where the majority of the team members probably are, is that they've been in the role for some time and have demonstrated ability to navigate many of the challenges and stuff that come with the role. There's still some time to grow, um, different skills and, and all of that. And then top of a band is like, you're an expert in the role. You've navigated everything. You've demonstrated, you can do everything. And really the only way to grow is to get a promotion into that next title, that next role. And so that's kind of how you determine how you fall within a band once you have them created. So that is really what you want to do. Now, if you're a team of less than 10, you know, definitely less than five, you probably don't have to create salary ranges for your team members, uh, or I'm sorry, salary bands, but you might want to set salary ranges for each of the roles on your team. So instead of setting bands, if you have three to five people, go out and do some market research and decide what's the lowest you're going to pay for this particular role on your team, what's the highest. And then you can still use that methodology in terms of if they're at the low end of the range versus the high end of the range to help determine, you know, how much you're going to get people pay increases. So then you're going to want to set a, really how you're going to do that and make sure that, you know, you're basing the amounts on performance, tenure, you know, industry or the financial health of your business. Generally speaking, employers provide anywhere from three to 5% pay increases each year, which is, you know, merit increases like we talked about. Sometimes there are more for years when cost of living adjustments are super high. For example, you know, 2022 into 2023, companies, you know, gave higher pay increases because they did cost of living adjustments on top of merit increases. But usually uh, it's right around three to 5% of base salary is a pretty good raise for, for your team members. Now, if you have super high performers that you don't want to risk losing, you may want to consider doing more, right? As long as it's justified in their performance, because a lot of times it's, if somebody is going to um, leave, they're going to get like a 10 to 20% salary increase going somewhere else. So let's say one of your top performers leaves, you're probably going to have to pay at least 10% more just to backfill their job. So you really want to think about those high performers that you really don't want to lose. And maybe you want to pay more than that 5% to, to make sure that they, they stay assuming, of course, that your business can support it. You don't have to do increases that much, but um, you definitely want to think about that. So, and I guess that also kind of ties to if you have to stay within a fixed budget, like it's really important that you spend time making sure that you're allocating the money right. Um, and that always starts with performance and identifying the highest performers on your team. And not only like the highest performers, but who have contributed the most to the success of your company. 
And those should be the people who get the the biggest and first salary increases because you really don't want to lose those people. Then you want to really, you know, all of this, when you're thinking about it, you want to, in you know, think about the long-term impact of, of the salary increases on your budget. Um, so other things you could do is, you know, payout bonuses. Um, by staggering salary increases, it's not quite as much of a hit to your budget. So that's another reason why doing, um, instead of giving everyone salary increases at the first of the year, like that's a big hit, but doing it throughout the year can help you kind of manage that cash burn a little bit more. Um, and it's another good reason to do that. And then if you can't provide salary increases, you could do, like I said, bonuses. You could look at creating additional benefits, flexible work arrangements, um, helping to support with personal development, more PTO. There's a lot of things you can do or a few things you can do. And we've talked about that on previous episodes for benefits, like how you can give benefits on a budget. Um, You can also do those um, as incentives and, and, and recognition for your team um, if you're unable to do salary increases. And then, you know, as your company grows and, you know, the business, you know, is successful, um, it's really important to share that success with your team members. And so that can be through bonuses that can be through, uh, that can be through like spot bonuses. Maybe you work a, a bonus percentage into their salary and maybe it's, you know, you give other things like, I don't know, making stuff up vacation or something. I don't know. Um, if you're listening and you can provide equity, equity is always a nice thing to do, but not everyone listening to this show will even have that as an option. Um, and you want to make sure that you're sharing this in the success with your team, specifically monetary. Uh, monetarily. I know you're in it to to obviously make a profit and reinvest in the business. And part of that is through reinvesting in your team. So just make sure you're thinking about that. And it definitely helps motivate, recognize all of that stuff. All uh, Lots of studies are showing that while compensation is, obvi- is not the only driver um, of motivating team members, it's definitely becoming important, especially you know, in 2023 where inflation is crazy and and all of that stuff. So think about how, as your company scales, you can also have interesting ways to reward your team members, but make sure that you're having the conversation, setting expectations around when to have compensation conversations, create performance review processes, set up a strategy and some salary bands for the roles or the teams um, as a whole, and then really just create a process for how you're going to determine who and what roles on the team, if not everybody, um, are you going to be able to support with increases. So hopefully that was helpful and provided a little bit of context into how to determine. It's definitely a a pretty meaty conversation. And quite honestly, um, I do multiple month long projects on this, um, for a lot of clients. So it's hard to, um, distill it down into a few minutes, but try to give you at least an overview of how I look up, how I create salary bans, pay increases, all of that stuff, and how it's really all tied together. It's not a one-off thing that you should just think about whenever somebody asks for it. So yeah, that's all. That's all I got. I feel like I definitely need to create this video to show you a little bit about how I structure it. So 
maybe be on the lookout for that. We'll get that created or maybe we'll create an opt-in for it. We'll see. But all in all, thanks for tuning in. And I'm always so grateful you guys listen and share us. And we'll talk to you again really soon. Your business needs strategic people leadership much earlier than you think. And lucky for you, over at People Principles, we've got you covered. We have launched some fractional head of people services where you can get a fractional head of people for a monthly retainer to help support you in managing the people side of your business. Perhaps you need more intense stuff where maybe you need some processes built out from scratch. You need to implement a performance review process, a handbook, a employee feedback survey. There's so many different things that you need. Well, I guess not so many, eight core things you need in your business and we can build it out for you. So go check out our fractional head of HR and people operations services at peopleprinciples.co.